Because I don't see a lot of MCs then or today. Uh, like like LL never really like you was calling LL out like yo you bit my style. He never answered you. He never did. They don't know that. But see, he wasn't in the gladiator school. We came from. <laughs> he was. He was too busy. Yeah. yeah. Whatever you do. Whatever that is. Uh, never answered. Never answered. Here, bros. What up? Welcome to another episode of the House of Music Podcast. I am the hip-hop homegirl, Tatiana Janine. Um, hey y'all. How y'all doing? If y'all new here, I always pause. Like, I ask y'all how y'all doing and I pause because I legitimately want to know how y'all doing. (laughs) Um, okay. So what's going on with me? Because I know I got some announcements. Okay, boom. So I tweeted that I was trying to produce two episodes at one time because I'm getting ready to travel and I'm going to be away for like two weeks and I want to make sure like no one misses an episode. So I did that and I hated both of the episodes. I just didn't sound like myself and maybe that's because like I have a lot going on right now or what have you, but I, as the hip hop homegirl as what you guys call call the hip-hop historian. I want to make sure that I'm putting my best foot forward. Like, I want to put 100% in every line I drop. Therefore, if I'm not happy with it, I'm not releasing it. And while I know you guys will still go up for it and love it the same because y'all are the bras and y'all support me, gang, gang, I still... Like, the last two episodes, that... Tanache episode and the episode I did two weeks ago about Lil' Kim, I was drunk, both of them episodes. And y'all deserve better. I should not be drunk every episode. Like, this is my digital legacy, my um, digital imprint. When all of this social media shit is said and done, you'll still be able to go on SoundCloud, Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play and listen to these episodes and be like, damn, Tatiana Janine was really that bitch. Um, so with that being said, I'm never putting anything that I feel like is a half-assed thing. And I always want to make sure, as much as y'all support me for free, like just for the love, I want to make sure that I'm giving y'all the best that I got. So with that being said, those two episodes that I, I was planning to do... I'll do them when I return. Um, I'll be traveling from Wednesday. And, um, well, I'm traveling on Wednesday, rather. And I will not be back until the 13th. I'm not taking my laptop or my microphone. I just need a little time to decompress and be with my family. So, and not think about work. I mean, I'll still be working for Revolt. But that's just Saturday and Sunday. Like, I don't want to have to think about producing an episode and everything else that all the work worries that I have on me in New York I don't want to worry about that when I go be with my family um so this episode is going to be really short and sweet because your girl still has to clean and pack that sounds just like Rihanna live okay so um (laughs) you know I have this weird obsession with hip-hop beefs I'm not sure why Maybe because I'm sensitive and my mama says since I'm the most sensitive person in the family, that's why I like to fight. But um, I love hip-hop beefs 
even like the odd ones that just don't make any sense um especially this one that we're going to talk about today which is KRS-One and PM Dawn so your mama and um will act like they didn't like PM Dawn back in the day but they definitely did um if I pause I'm not editing this episode I'm just recording and then I'm gonna upload it but if I pause and I I'm doing like weird shit it's because I'm watching wrestling at the same time and Charlotte Flair did something to her face some fillers or something 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 looks wild different in her face and if you know what it is please tweet me because I swear that's fillers it's something about her cheeks the bitch then got new teeth she had to get her titties changed out and now she fucking with her face slow your roll Charlotte slow your roll I can't keep up anyway so KRS-One has really been at the helm of several of rap's most iconic and ridiculous beefs. Iconic would be obviously the bridge wars where he made the bridges over and South Bronx, South, South Bronx, South Bronx, South, South Bronx. Um... And the ridiculous beast will be this one we're about to talk about, as well as the time that he tried to have Nelly banned, and then Nelly got a hit record dissing KRS-One on number one. We're going to talk about that one, too. We really need to have a conversation about Nelly and what exactly was the beginning of the end for him. We're going to talk about that in three weeks. I can't wait. So, back in the day... (laughs) okay (laughs) I don't even know how to approach this like I don't even have notes on this all of this is coming off my memory so please hip hop purists if I miss anything or I get anything wrong please get me together in the comments or tweet me at Tatiana Janine um because this is by far one of the most hilarious rap beefs and the beef with PM Dawn came to a head on December 26, 1993 when when KRS-One literally pushed both members of PM Dawn off the stage and okay so so back in the day you know you know we live okay we live in this new era now where you motherfuckers, and I'm not talking about y'all house of music listeners. I'm just talking about people on Twitter or on the internet. If you've been following me, you've been seeing this happen a lot for the past month. But motherfuckers on the internet are a little bit too comfortable with talking out their neck and being offensive because we not punching niggas in the face no more. Bring back punching niggas in the face. People be saying anything. Listen, some girl was arguing me about Yandy protesting outside of the jail. And if I'm watching the Super Bowl, which I didn't, I haven't watched football in two seasons, um, and all that stuff. And she, and she subbing me talking about she fight. Well, bitch, I fight too. So what, what's it going to be? Where to bust the rhymes? Like that. And then some hotel person got mad because my brother had said you can't just pull your kids out of school and decide you homeschooling them you have to go through a chain of command whatever 
people are way too comfortable on the internet saying whatever they want, however they want, and not getting punched in the face. But in 1993, it wasn't like that. You get stumped out with some Tims for talking out your neck sideways. So PM Dawn, who made, I guess, do we want to call it feathery? We'll call it feathery. A feathery rap song in 1991 called Set Adrift on Memory Blitz. That's the jam. Okay, so like basically PM Dawn walked so that Drake could fly. And I'm not even playing. Like, you go listen to PM Dawn. That's Drake all day. So, somewhere between 92 and 93, PM Dawn had did an interview with Details Magazine. And in the magazine, in the interview, they started talking about KRS-One. And Prince B of PM Dawn, rest in peace. Prince B has specifically said in the interview, like, KRS-One wants to be a teacher but a teacher of what? Now, you we all know that our good hip-hop uncle, KRS-One, takes everything to offense, and he is not, like, with the bull. So, the whole... So, the whole no question is a stupid question philosophy skip KRS-One completely because on December 26 in 1993 while PM Dawn was performing at um the Sound Factory in Manhattan KRS-One came up there and was ready for all of the smoke so Kid Capri <laughs> was there and from how I remember it K. Capri said that he was walking or that KRS-One, my bad, walked in with a bunch of people that he never seen. And by he, I mean K. Capri, never seen before. It was a, yes, Charlotte Flair absolutely got fillers in her face. Wow. You were such a pretty girl, Ashley. Why did you do that? Um... So, KRS-One came to the club with a whole new work crew. It was some of his Boogie Boogie Down Productions crew, Willie D, and some of the ICU crew. Then some of his usual, like, hood niggas with him. And they all sat on a windowsill (laughs) next to the stage um, during PM, PM Dawn's show which happened to be with my fave super cat Dolly 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 my baby. So Kid Capri said that he asked if something was about to go down and KRS-One basically downplayed everything. But the shit that happened next was some of the most monumental shit to ever happen in hip hop. So PM Dawn came on stage, 
Prince V and the DJ were in the booth and it was like three girls doing background vocals. So they let PM Dawn do their first song or whatever. And then when they started performing like their big hit, like KRS One and his crew rushed the stage, grabbed the mic from Prince B. I see you grab the girls and hug them and pick them up at the same time and took them off of the stage. And KRS One grabbed the mic. <laughs> And then he threw Prince B off stage. So Supercat was expected to like go on stage after PM Dawn, but the fucking venue was empty because the entire audience left when KRS won and them left. So Kenny Parker had went into the DJ booth. And he threw the DJ out of the booth. When when KRS-One had threw them off stage, Kenny Parker, um, when, K, when KRS-One threw PM Dawn off stage, Kenny Parker started playing South Bronx. And Kid Capri said, like, in that moment, it felt like the floor was about to cave in. In fact, I just pulled up a quote. What was, this is Kid Capri. What was crazy at the time is when Chris left, Supercat was supposed to be next. However, when Chris left, the whole crowd left and was walking down the street with him. It looked like a video. Supercat was on stage with nobody left. It was monumental. So basically like KRS-One, when he was asked about it later, he said, I answered his question. I'm a teacher of respect. <sighs> Iconic. I really just want to take this time to just, it was never, it was nothing no more after that. And you know, uh, Prince B passed away a couple years ago. But I also want to take this opportunity to really tell the story of KRS-One and Nelly. Because if we're going to talk about ridiculous KRS-One rap feuds, we might as well throw in this shit, which is Nelly. So in 2002, we're talking about years after he done threw PM Dawn off the fucking stage. <laughs> I'm sorry, this shit is just hilarious to me. Like, how you going to throw a whole... Prince B was not no small dude. He was a big boy. How you gonna throw Prince B off of the stage? And now Supercat can't even perform Dolly My Baby for a crowd because everybody done dipped. Fucking around with you. I hope Supercat offered KRS one five minutes after that because that was fucked up. Like, how you gonna do that? Anyway, so... 19 years after he kicked PM Dawn off a of stage, Nelly and KRS-One get into one of the most ridiculous rap feuds since Afro Man made that song where he was going at everybody. 
In 2002, Nelly was probably the biggest hip-hop star next to Eminem. Only dudes moving units in Pimp Juice and us. Okay? Um, Country Grammar was at nine... Country Grammar was at nine million records sold. EI, which is... Lit- okay, it, it doesn't matter what EI is about. Just know that... EI became a commercial song along with country grammar and it is about the most ridiculous thing that if I was to go on TV right now and talk about white people would have me pulled off the fucking air okay so understandably so mm, I can't talk today understandably so in 2002 the anticipation for Nelly's sophomore album Nellyville was at an all-time high Will he beat the sophomore curse? Will it be as good as country grammar? Can he do a milli in a week? What are we going to do? So boom, enter KRS-One, who not only at this point is community conscious and known for being a part of the stop the violence rap movement that produced self-destruction, but he's also known as the nigga who threw PM Dawn off fucking stage and beefed with the Juice crew. At any rate, KRS-One, who by 2002 proclaimed himself to be a keeper of classic hip-hop, voiced his disconnect with hip-hop's commercial success. Um when he did this track that allegedly wasn't supposed to come out called Clear Em Out on this mixtape called The Difference. So on this on the track, he says, you tired of me saying what's real hip hop? Well, I'm tired of you biting my shit to go pop. Sales don't make you authority. Sales don't make you the authority. It only means that you sold out to the white majority. So obviously, again, the number one and number two man in hip hop in 2002 is Eminem and Nelly. Is no denying. Like again, Jay Z even said it in the track. Only dudes moving units. M. Pimp Juice. Ooh, ooh, ooh. It's fine. When I sing, I sound just like Rihanna live. Okay, don't be a hater. And us acknowledging that Jay-Z was in third place because he absolutely was um there has not there was not a year between 1996 and 2004 where Jay-Z was the greatest rapper of that year of all time or whatever it wasn't Jay-Z didn't become the greatest rapper of that year or his year until he dropped the black album and I'm willing to put 20 on 10 on that also you know what? No, nope, I'm going to save that because I have something very controversial to say. And I'll just leave it at this. I'm not going to name who it is, but I will say this. Jay-Z is not the most influential rapper ever. And when I say that, I don't mean on a business aspect. When it comes to making hip hop into a business and flipping it, yes, Jay-Z is the most influential. Everyone wants to copy the Jay-Z and the Diddy business model but when I'm talking about flow and albums and shit like that Jay-Z 
is not the be- the most influential rapper. And I'll, you know what? I'm going to tell you who it is and why in a few weeks when I come back from break. I sure am. So obviously, going back to the song, the song um the song was clearly aimed at Nelly because he had just dropped the track number 1, you know, from the Training Day soundtrack and he in that song you know Nelly was a little defensive because he felt like he had to defend himself or his reign on the top of the charts so Murphy Lee had said that basically when Nelly made number one it came from a place of like weariness like Nelly was weary of the ways of the world because he was tired and he felt like he had to defend himself Nelly felt like his career wouldn't be where it was without, you know, pioneers like Eric B and Rakim and LL Cool J and of course KRS-One. But Nelly got tired of being criticized for being a sellout because he made crossover hip hop music. And let's be clear, I think hip hop, hip hop began crossing over in the late 90s, absolutely. But when that shit started really taking over it absolutely was Nelly at the forefront of that turn of the century crossover success because I feel like if we if we go down to it like the first crossover success hip-hop track would be Jay-Z's Hard Knock Life absolutely like you cannot create a better Song rapping about struggling and growing up in the hood over one of the most iconic musicals, plays, whatever, ever. So that would be that. But then, a none of those like albums or tracks went diamond, nigga. EI is diamond like country grammar is diamond you know what I'm saying it took it took so long just for um reasonable doubt to go platinum you know what I'm saying an acknowledgement needs to be made about Nelly and Eminem and how they were able to cross over and appeal to both the BET 106 and Park crowd, well, Nelly more than Eminem for that, um, and also dominate the TRL crowd. Not too many artists were able to do that, but Nelly was definitely one of those artists. Nelly was one of the few rap artists who was able to do it and did it first. So according to Murphy Lee, um, so according to Murphy Lee, Nelly wasn't speaking on KRS-One specifically when he did the number one remit or when he did number one but he definitely had that in mind because he was tired so KRS-One also said that Clear Em Out wasn't about Nelly specifically and when he did the track he didn't even hear number one yet but Official Joints who was promoting the Differences mixtape had put out a press release hyping up the KRS-One track as like some type of beef between um, Nelly and KRS-One. And obviously that didn't help the situation. 
So in 2002, KRS-One had told MTV News, like, I have 16 years of history in hip-hop. It was actually a little bit more than that, but fine. Um, When I diss somebody, I say the rapper's name and the name of the crew and probably the label, and we all going at it. Every battle rhyme I put out, that was my basic stance. Official Joints was hyping it to sell more copies, and I kept downplaying it. So KRS-One even claimed he sent an email to Nelly's camp explaining that it wasn't no beef from his end, like it was never nothing on his side, and that he wasn't interested in getting into a beef with Nelly. Apparently, Nelly didn't get the memo, but Nelly did give KRS-One a couple bars on um, the Rock the Mic remix when he called out KRS-One letter by letter. So the the bars go, I'm not going to do it on the cadence of the beat because I don't remember how it flowed on the track, but the bars went, I strike a nerve in OMC's wanting to come back. I got the strength that he lost and that's a fact. Like K, no one here even said your name. Are you really feeling guilty about something, man? S, sad to see you really just want just one more hit, please. You the first old man should get a rapper's pension. No hits since the cordless mic invention. When KRS-One heard the Rock the Mic remix, he was like, you know what? It's on like hot butter on your what? Your popcorn. It was a whole street thing in KRS-One's mind. He felt like if somebody slapped you in your face, the whole block is going to start smacking you and trying to punk you on the block. So when he came out with that verse, he as in Nelly, came out with the verse, he felt like Nelly was trying to punk him on the block. So KRS-One responded... Karis would responded to the verse not with the track, but actually asking people to boycott Nelly's Nellyville album was which was supposed to drop June of 2002. <laughs> oh, this nigga dissed me, don't buy his album. Can you imagine? <laughs> This shit is funny to me. I'm so sorry. Like, <laughs> could you, can you believe? Like, oh, this nigga dissed me. Don't buy that nigga album. He sucks. I, that's just hilarious to me. Anyway, so he felt like Nelly challenged like an old head, a higher power. And the MC part of it, he can slap him around for days since he got, he felt like, Harris one felt like he had more hits that stuck like grits than Nelly. Um, so after he called for the boycott in Nellyville, he, um, <laughs> he dropped a diss track called Over Here where he said, Nelly sounds like an NSYNC commercial. <laughs> These niggas be wildin'. They egos be so hurt, dog. Anyway, so KRS-One really kept pushing with this boycott. Like, people thought he was just, like, BSing. Like, people really thought he was bullshitting and everything like that. And then he told MTV News 
that the Nelly boycott was divinely ordained. He literally said, well, no, he didn't literally say this, but I'm about to hyperbole like a motherfucker. He basically said that <laughs> Twinkie Clark came to him with a message from God that said the boycott of Nelly's Nellyville is of God's will. So, um, KRS-One had told MTV, like, I felt like, yo, we should boy- boycott Universal Records and Nelly to send a message to the record recording corporations of the United States that says the people in hip-hop culture who, if they say it's whack, you will lose your sales. KRS-One talks like Spike Lee. It's like, you get it, but it's all over the place. We need to take this, that stance back and let these corporations know that hip-hop is a viable culture. You can't jerk us. You can't give us contracts that don't make any sense. Well, Karis, one must be disgusted with today's hip-hop. Then turn around and give us contracts to artists that diss their communities. Tell Universal to tell their artists the rules before going around yapping, trying to diss those that paved the way for him to be here. So, on June 25th, 2002, Nellyville dropped um, with my favorite chicken head anthem, Hot in Here, Hot in Her. And Nellyville ended up selling 6 million copies, making it the 14th best-selling rap album of all time. So needless to say, God ain't really ordained KRS-One's little boycott like he thought. It's fine, it happens. You know, one time I thought God told me to blonde my hair, dye, uh, dye my hair blonde, and I walked around looking a fool for a whole year of college. Um, and since then, you know, they moved on from the beef. It really wasn't nothing no more. No one mentioned it. No one said anything I don't remember it being like a peace up moment like how when um Ice-T and Soulja Boy were beefing and KRS-One interjected in that KRS-One was telling like Soulja Boy like you gotta respect your old heads it was never nothing no more uh Nelly went on to sell millions of other records and then Nelly released one music video that just basically turned his world upside down so yeah um those are my weirdo krs one rap beefs in this very short episode of the house of music podcast um i'm trying to think do i have anything else to tell y'all no just go to revolttv.com or no, I'm lying because that's not even a website. Just go to revolt.tv and catch up on your news. I'm on there every weekend writing. Um, again, no new episode until the 18th of March. Um, I might be on Twitter significantly less over the next two weeks, but I will be reading your comments about House of Music. Uh, if you don't already... Follow me on Twitter 
at Tatiana Janine. Follow me on Instagram. Ooh, excuse me. Follow me on Instagram at the Hip Hop Homegirl um, and at Tatiana Janine. And yeah, I'll see you guys in two weeks. I love y'all. I really appreciate y'all's support. I can't wait until like I, I get my talk show deal and I get to have a OG bras brunch. Like all 17 of y'all who listen to House of Music. <laughs> <laughs> we all gonna go to brunch and have a funky good time and just yeah the next two episodes are gonna be lit though um i'm gonna tell y'all the name of one and the subject matter of the other so the first episode when we get back is going to be about the shift i think i said this last episode um, it's going to be about the shift of women in hip hop and what does Cardi B's win um, mean to women in hip hop. And the second one is going to be, it was tip drill, the beginning of the end of Nelly. So yeah, I love y'all for free. Wrap your arms around yourself and give yourself a big hug. And I'll see y'all in like two, three weeks. Peace.